Good morning and welcome to Event Wellbeing Week 2021. We're delighted to see everyone that's going to be joining us for our sessions this week. I'm delighted to be joined by Gavin Percy from Balancing Edges, who is going to be kicking off this morning's session with his fantastic talk, Reentry Shock. Um, make sure you join us for the additional sessions that we have happening throughout the week. Um, all live broadcast here on LinkedIn Live and on our official event page. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to hand you over to the fantastic Gavin Purser. Take it away, Gavin. <laughs> Thanks very much, Helen. Thank you. Uh, yes, good morning, everybody. This is um, a paper I put together um, a, a few weeks ago with regard to uh, returning to work. Um, and and the issues that there are in the workplace uh, that need to be addressed in terms of uh, of people who've been on furlough, people who've been working from home, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll, we'll, we'll go through that um, um, step by step. Um, so this is the first starting point, really, during lockdown. Um, does this sound or feel familiar? Anxious, overwhelmed, available on demand. And we've all been available on demand, haven't we? Uh, working from home, less uh, um, need for you to be um, on public transport, uh, more time for you to be online. Uh, people can get hold of you all the time, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that anxiety about whether there's a, a job left for you, if there's not, if, if, if you're going to be made redundant, uh, and just generally being overwhelmed by the scale of work that's going on. Uh, certainly, this is a story that I'm getting from a lot of people during uh, the situation we've been in for the last year and a half. Um, and really, this is what uh, led me to to start thinking about uh, how to put this re-entry shock thing together. Uh, there was a research done quite early in the process of of, uh, of uh, COVID, uh, where which showed that employers will need to manage the psychological effects of the lockdowns on their workforce as they return to the factory uh, or the office. Uh, low morale, hyper stress, general fear, all these things will happen. And the same report showed that up to 37% showed signs of psychological distress, 45% feeling adverse effects on their mental health, and 70% felt this period was the most stressful of their career. And that was early on uh, in the process. So I'm sure if we did another survey, uh, we would find that be even more severe right now. So the other thing to look at is, is why look after mental health? Well, uh, Deloitte did a report in 20, 2019 about the cost of poor mental health uh, to the UK. Uh, it's up 16% since 2016, and it sits at £45 billion a year. So that includes things like low morale, uh, high staff turnover, uh, high absenteeism, uh, presenteeism, uh, presenteeism being being in the workplace but actually not being present there, just, just going through the motions. And actually presenteeism is more expensive than absenteeism. Um, so, so those kind of things added together uh, all result in that £45 billion a year. Uh, low productivity is another one. Um, so obviously we need to, uh, for, for, for financial reasons, we need to make sure that we do something about this. The same uh, Deloitte report also showed that for every £1 spent on supporting mental health at work, uh, employers were getting an average of £5 back. So in other words, um, spending supporting mental health at work is not a cost. It's an investment. Uh, and that £5 back is, is as we talked about, those things like uh, um, absenteeism, presenteeism, staff turnover, uh, productivity, morale, all those things cost money uh, to the workplace. Uh, and if we can in, uh, Im improve that, uh, we're going to be a much better place financially. Uh, in fact, uh, Parcel Force, um, did a bit of a case study for you, Parcel Force, uh, 
spent some money a couple of years ago on uh, mental health and well-being in the workplace. So it was things like uh, making sure people were taking exercise, uh, stopping people from drinking too much, stop people from smoking, but also uh, well-being and mental health uh, initiatives as well. Uh, and they reckon uh, from their survey and the research that they did that they uh, improved their bottom line by a million pounds in a year by doing that. So there is good reasons for looking after mental health. Apart from the fact we should be looking after our employees anyway, uh, there's a financial backup to that as well. So who will experience re-entry shock? Well, basically everybody. Uh, people who've returned to work after furlough, uh, you know, they may um, have be envy of those that weren't furloughed. Can they still do the job? Uh, uncertain of the future security, et cetera. All these things will affect people who are returned to work after furlough. And then you've got people returning to the office after home working. Um, you know, they've probably quite possibly quite enjoyed working from home. Uh, no, no, no commute, um, you know, et cetera. They're going to have a poorer work-life balance working from the office, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, people who've worked through, well, they'll make be envious of those who were furloughed. Uh, they've had to work through. Uh, they may be tired. Um, how will the returners react to the change? Because there's probably been change in the workplace. And then the newly employed, uh, and those are the same stresses as, as any newly employed person would have, I guess. Uh, but also if they've been unemployed for a while or been in furlough for a while themselves, perhaps they might consider that they might have got lazy. So effectively, everybody in the workplace uh, will um, be prone to experiencing re-entry shock. This is a, a fairly busy slide. I'm not going to go through it in lots of detail. I'll just really a referral for you to look at. Uh, the Stevenson Farmer Review um, is somewhere that I would uh, point you in the direction of to look at how to look after people in the workplace. Um, this was um, a really important uh, a paper that was written. There's a link on the page there which we'll share with you. Um, and I would suggest that you do read that. It's not a very complicated, long document. It's, it's fairly easy reading. Um, but there's uh, those... Um, things that make mental health and well-being cultural in the business. Um, and it's something that I would point you in the direction of uh, definitely to have a look at and how you can improve your own business. Uh, and I've taken some of these elements in to look at what we need to look at in terms of post-COVID protocols. So post-COVID protocols would include things like uh, starting with provide on the top right hand, top left-hand corner there, uh, providing uh, a return to work protocols and ongoing support. So what do I mean by that? Well, that's things like making sure there's risk assessments in place, making sure there's health and safety guidelines in place, uh, there's a testing regime uh, in place to make people feel more comfortable. Uh, what's the work traveller policy? Uh, make sure that's put in place. Is there a mental health and well-being strategy in place in the workplace? Uh, and really, this uh, you can look at um, workplace strategies in, in uh, places like CIPD uh, and St. John's Ambulance. Both have very good examples of that. And I've got some links for those uh, locations at the end of the presentation for you. Is there an employee assistance program in place? Can we advertise the fact that that's in existence? Is there mental health first aiders in the workplace? All these kind of things are important to make sure that we the, the uh, employee understands the business has done something to make sure that uh, things are in place better after COVID. Promote. So there's three really important things here with promote. The first one is communication. And the second one is communication. And the third one, yeah, guess what? It's communication. So it's really about informing the teams what you've done uh, in changing protocols, why you've done it, what their responsibilities are to make sure they understand what is expected of them. There's no surprises. Uh, this information will feel more comfortable uh, and less anxious. 
So ensure that the mental health and well-being strategy is communicated, including things like the EAP, the Employee Assistance Program. The third element is reduce, reduce the harmful impacts of work. So again, communication is key here. Good communication will reduce that stress and anxiety, but also um, are the, what are the forecasts and business plans? Uh, how secure are people's roles? Uh, ensure that working procedures and protocols are being effective uh, and using staff feedback as a way of, uh, um, of ensuring and measuring success. And really it's about creating a culture uh, of looking after people's mental health and well-being at work so that team members feel they can open up uh, to the situation and, and be dealt with accordingly. And then we've got uh, implement. So this is implementing mental health and suicide prevention skills and awareness. So ideally, um, and I would say this as a mental health trainer, uh, have 5 to 10% of the workplace trained as mental health first aiders. Uh, having that uh, that availability for people to speak to somebody about their mental health is really important. Ideally, have 5 to 10% of the workforce trained as mental health champions. And then have the other 80 to 90% of the staff uh, trained in mental health awareness. And that in itself will create that culture of mental health and well-being in the workplace and reduce the stigma and discrimination around mental health in the workplace. Lastly, facilitate. So facilitate early intervention and treatment. So by having the mental health culture in place, all those other things we've talked about, people will be more willing to talk about their situation and be therefore uh, able to take get help faster. And that's a really important thing in terms of, uh, of mental health is getting support early on. Uh, as we said about the Deloitte, uh, for every pound spent, you get a five pound return. Uh, and that is a really important aspect for businesses to realize. Uh, and having an employee assistance program can get people immediate help, immediate support. And so worth looking to invest in that area if you haven't already got an EAP in place in the workplace. Uh, so these are the things that I think would be very important in terms of post-COVID protocols. And what we create uh, is a re-entry checklist. So really making sure that people have a re-entry checklist. They have a mental health and well-being strategy written uh, and revised. They have an EAP in place. They have mental health first aid training in place, uh, well-being initiatives in place, and mental health and well-being is a culture in the business. And some sort of pre-arrival newsletter before people get back into the workplace to make sure they know what's changed, why it's changed, what the new protocols are, uh, and looking at the micro and macroeconomic update. And then those return to work meetings, talking through changes, finding out how the employees are feeling, using a standard form to aid that consistency and applying to all levels in the organization, and then offering more flexible working uh, if relevant and suitable. I think most companies are realizing that they need to make sure that they do have a more flexible attitude to work. And they also realize that actually working from home hasn't been, has been productive. Um, and so they can offer that to some employees. Uh, put in place ways to gather regular feedback from the team. So uh, this is a really important area, I think, um, that we don't really do. Uh, we do one-to-ones, we do job chats, we do forums, we do internet, we do surveys, but do we talk about mental health in those documents? So if somebody's been off sick, do we ask them how they've been, and not just physically, but also mentally? And then encouraging and signposted support through the uh, mental health first aid teams, uh, mental health first aiders through HR and through occupational health uh, and then regular communication in place to all employees is really important as well. So I mentioned earlier that uh, it's really important that you take, uh, you, you, you look after yourselves as well. So investing in your own self-care and trying to do a personal best every day and try to make it cultural. So investing in your self-care, making sure you look after your own well-being, 
um, and, and making sure that you take those coping strategies in place to, to look after yourselves. What I mean by treating a, a personal best every day is just be better today than you were yesterday, be better tomorrow than you were today. So always striving to do better. Uh, and then making it cultural is, is a passion of mine in the workplace to make sure that uh, mental health and well-being is being made cultural in the workplace. Uh, and that self-care element is really important to encourage within your teams uh, as well as to yourselves. These are some of the resources. I know this is a bit of a busy slide, um, but these are some of the resources that I would uh, suggest you look at and we will share uh, these links with you. Um, so the uh, ACAS is a really good workplace protocol, as does St. John's Ambulance and MHFA England. And those are direct links into those resources. So you can look at what protocols uh, you can put in place in the workplace. Uh, EventWell, obviously um, a really good resource and one that has uh, multiple areas to look at in terms of mindfulness and, and uh, reading therapies and many, many more things. The Every Mind Matters quiz is worth looking at on uh, the NHS website. Uh, and then the charities such as Mind, Rethink and Samaritans are also important areas to look at. Uh, so I am a, a mental health uh, um, professional and looking after, after uh, well-being and mental health in the workplace and a mental health trainer. Uh, and so if all those things have been of interest to you, then I hope that you'd be willing to uh, invest in some time and some money into that area for your business. Uh, you can certainly talk to me and talk to uh, EventWell about how that might work in the workplace. Uh, I have finished a little bit early, um, so if anyone wants to ask any questions, then um, we can uh, we can ask questions now, or we can go into the other platform uh, to look at. Excellent! Thank you so much, Gavin. Thank you. Such a, a brilliant session. Hoping you can hear me. Microphone on. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Fabulous. Yep. Brilliant. Hey, hey. Just checking the technology for Monday morning. I think everyone's feeling a little bit jaded from their re-entry shock, shall we say. Over the last few weeks, uh, the industry does seem to be incredibly busy with everyone getting back to things. So really insightful talk, Gavin. I love the re-entry shock and, and, and things that need to be taken very kind of seriously. So I just have a question for you. And then what mm. we're going to do is we're going to, and people that are watching the session, you can pop along to our, our live Q&A on our official event hub with Gavin in about, 10 to 15 minutes that's okay yeah. but my kind of question to you gavin is is it kind of as a mental health first aider so you do obviously lots of training in mm. this in this space as a mental health first aider what are some of the the challenges the live challenges that you're hearing from people going back to work who are attending the courses and stuff what are some of the things they're sharing with you um, I, I think the, the the biggest thing is is um, people who are being made to go back into the office and perhaps don't feel particularly comfortable about that still. Um, you know, in terms of uh, their health, in terms of how it changes their lives, uh, they've got used to working from home. A lot of people um, and um, are not particularly comfortable about being in the office with other people, uh, and so that's I think causing a lot of anxiety uh, in the workplace. Um, and I think the uncertainty is the other thing, you know, um, uh, that generally, whilst we're kind of got to some sort of normality now, kind of, but we still don't exactly know what's going on, do we? It's, there's still a lot of uncertainty. And there's a lot of uncertainty in the workplace about, is my job secure? Uh, are they changing the protocols? Are they changing the way they work things? I'm not sure of my uh, of my uh, 
um, security at work, um, you know, all those kind of things are, are also causing a lot of anxiety too. So they're probably the two main ones. But there's, as I tried to get over in the presentation, it's different for everybody. Some people aren't getting stressed by those things. Other people are. And then there's other things that people are getting stressed about that other people aren't. And it's, it's so difficult. It's very individual. And there's such a wide-ranging effect uh, of all this situation that we 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 got to really not underestimate the the variety and and uh, and um, sort of scale of the situation. It's it's, it's across everybody, um, and we just need to be aware of that and how different people are affected, and make and give people a space to be able to talk about it. I think that's the big thing. You know, not feel that they've got a stigma discrimination around mental health that they can open up to their lane manager or to colleagues or to the mental health first data to say, look, this is how I'm feeling, uh, because perhaps you know a few years ago people would never have done that, and I think that environment is still in place in a lot of workplaces. So we need to encourage uh, that open dialogue to find out how people are feeling and then we can deal with it. We can't guess how people are feeling. We've got to find out how they're feeling um, because that's the only way you can deal with it. Uh, and, and I think a lot of businesses are just kind of putting blanket effects out there to try and suit everybody. And of course it doesn't suit everybody. Um, and so we need to look at the individual requirements. Yeah, it's it, it's very much that, isn't it? You, you need to keep it on a personal level because everyone will be affected in different ways. Two people can go through exactly the same experience and come out with different perspectives at the other end, can't they? And I think yeah. that's that's the challenge, isn't it, when we look at kind of from a, a mental health discrimination perspective as well. One mm. of the biggest barriers to people seeking help is they fear being treated differently by those around us. Yeah. So would you kind of agree that the secret here is not to treat people differently who are struggling, but treat everyone equally and the same and ensure that measures and, and policies are put in place for everybody in the workplace, regardless of whether they have a mental health condition or if they're struggling or not? Absolutely. We're very good at doing risk assessments around trailing electric wires and, and desks being the right height and computers being the right height. We're great at doing that. We don't do any risk assessments or hard. I'm just, that's probably unfair. Very few do risk assessments around mental health in the workplace. And, you know, that is uh, something. So that's one area. The other area is that openness that I've talked about, making sure that there is an open environment for people to actually talk about their mental health in the workplace and not feel that they're going to be stigmatised. And are discriminated against and and, uh, and as I say if we do that we're going to have a happier workforce well Deloitte have said haven't they for every pound spent to a five pound return you know th th there is a, a financial benefit to businesses that do that uh, um, you know people are happier staff work harder do do more more productive uh, and higher morale in the workplace so all these things will will make a massive effect to the workplace if we can get businesses to take that on board absolutely and 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 for anybody who, who's listening back on this listening now or listening back on this feed at a, a later time that Deloitte return on investment number if you go for kind of a, a full workplace well-being um, mm. policy and program that includes fitness full training all of those learning platforms a whole host of different solutions and benefits for for everybody and not but not just benefits you know education training mm -hmm. um looking at policy procedure strategy return on investment is guaranteed eight to one yeah that's right that's right there's those four scales isn't there in the in the report i mean the five to one is the one i picked on because it's the the sort of um just just doing general uh um availability of mental health and work and well-being in the workplace but but the more you do the more you get back so absolutely um, absolutely absolutely just, the, 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 more, the more you put in the, the bigger you're into you know the, the exactly. more return investment absolutely 100 yeah. percent. so gavin did mention as well the thriving at work review 
Um, if you work with Eventwell, um, we work very closely with Gavin and um, Balancing Edges as well as our official mental health first aid trainer. Um, so if you, you work with Eventwell and you work with Gavin and Balancing Edges, um, we work around the five minute work review. So our mental health champions program and our friends business plans are, are centered around the five minute work review, which has been developed into the mental health at work commitment. Um, with mind and there are six mental health core standards that we train and educate on um, and the idea of the the private work review those six mental health core standards is that it's a proactive approach to mental health well-being um, yeah. so looking at how you can change your policy and procedure strategy your culture your organizational culture is what this looks to tackle so basically yeah. creating a movement within your organization rather than a mandate so rather than really creating that, this is the way we do things around here rather than this is what we'd like you to do around here. Yeah, that and that's and that's what I was trying to use some of those initiatives within my re-entry shock as well. So it, it's kind of uh, synergizes with the thriving at work thing. So, um, but th yeah, the thriving at work report, the link is in the presentation and I would strongly recommend that you have a quick read of that. It's not, as I say, it's not a complicated read. It's quite easy to digest, uh, yeah. even for someone like me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. If you can just get yourself for a, a, a few pages, there's a, there's a great executive summary in there. So you can just have a chat about that. But no, it, it is well worth having a read of that. Um, very fat based, um, very, very insightful. You'll take away a lot of information from that. You can also find out more information about what we Eventwell and Balances Edges do together by visiting the Eventwell website at eventwell.org and going to Wellbeing at Work and you'll see all of those. Um, yeah. policies and, and stuff fabulous okay. yeah. so we're going to move over to our um live q a session in our official event hub huge thanks to everyone for watching and a huge thanks to everyone who's going to be watching this back throughout the week on our official linkedin live event page um see you in a second in the, the event hub thanks so much gavin thank you